Mic check, one, two, one, two. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm back for another episode. Another week ending. Another week about to begin. Let's go. Taste to consider podcast. Yes. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. That's silver, not silver. I want to thank everybody out there for their purchase. We surely appreciate it. What you about to witness is my thoughts. Just my thoughts, man. Right or wrong. Just what I was feeling at the time. Uh, you ever felt like this? Vibe with me. Walk with a nigga, man. Vibe with me. Gather around, hustlers, that's if you're still living And get on down to that old jig river Here's a couple of jewels I'm feeling real good right now A ribbon in the sky, keep your head high It's Saturday, weekend vibes Been pre-gaming Let's go I got great lawyers for cops, so dress warm Charges don't stick to duty, Teflon I'm too sexy for jail like I'm right, said Fred I'm not guilty, now give me back my bread Mr. District Attorney, I'm not sure if they told you I'm on TV every day Where the fuck could I go to plus The whiskey is smooth, the cigar is flowing, let's go Been fighting all this life, so What could you do to me? It's not new to me, sue me, fuck you I am back for another episode Hard star, hard smoke A taste to consider Let's go! Yes, sir! Let me turn the TV off. That messed me up last episode. I had the TV on last episode. That young job messed me up. And when I did the playback and I was listening to myself talk, I noticed that my um, focus was on other things. And that was probably because I had the TV on. So I had to turn that TV off. But let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in these times, well, at least to me, there's a lot of rappers out there trying to sound like Jay-Z. I, I help you out. Here's what you do. You're going to need a wide lens because that's a verbic shoe. And you got a couple of beans and you don't have a clue. Your situation is lit. I'm going to keep it real because fucking with me, you got to drop a meal because if you're going to cop something, you got to cop for real. Say stick and sit a podcast. I'm feeling good. The future like Cleo the Psychic. Is that because I've been drinking? Uh-uh. Or is it because I'm just feeling good? <laughs> so the wheels fall off. The taste to consider is back. The taste to consider podcast. Yes, it feels so good. Feels so good to be back. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. Yes. I hope y'all bouncing. Let's go. Uh huh. Just my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. 
This podcast, a taste to consider, that's whatever, man, that just sums it up about what a taste to consider podcast is about. This is just my thoughts. Yes, I got the Jay-Z flowing. I was pre-gaming to Jay-Z. Um, when I listen to Jay-Z, uh, it brings out the, the, the arrogant side of me, the confident side of me. Uh, if, if, if there was never a Tupac, Jay-Z would be number one on my list, but... There is a Tupac, so Tupac is number one on my list. Um, you know, music is just a lovely thing. It speaks to you in certain ways. And Tupac speaks to me in a, in a different way, that, the blackety-black way, the, you know, fighting for your people way, you know. Uh, that's how I feel. And, and to be honest, you know, a lot of Tupac's music was depressing music. I mean, if this is just my opinion. Um, big fan of Tupac or whatever, but, you know, Tupac was as young as he was. He died at 25, and he had a a short career. When you really think about it, Pac had a short career, but he did a lot in that short span of time. And music-wise, you can hear a lot of uh, depression and anxiety in his music. You know all the stuff that he'd been through, and that speaks a lot to you know um, who I am. But also on the other side, Jay Z speaks to a lot of who I am as well. You know the the arrogant side, the confident side. But to be honest, I don't know too much of that that person. Um that person of who I am, the the confident, um uh arrogance. Arrogance not in a bad way because I'm just not the type of person that is shit on somebody. Uh it's it's funny because I get a lot of people who tell me I need to start shitting on people, but that's just not in my, you know, that's that's just not in my nature. You know, um I'm a humble individual and I and I know I got that from uh, being raised by parents who are uh, country from the South. So, you know, I'm more humble. I'm more, you know, uh, reserved and such. Uh, but I do have a, a confidence side. I know I do. But I don't know too much of, of that person. I really don't. I don't know too much of that confidence side of me. But I definitely, when when that confidence side comes out, I definitely feel it. And, um it's not of a malicious nature. Um, I don't really need to say that to y'all because, shit, people going to think what they want to think. I mean, that's that's a lesson of life. People just going to see you how they want to see you based off of their perspective, their perception, how they were raised and, you know, how they came up, things that happened to them, traumas, whatever. That's just life, you know. And you just got to be able to push through all that that bullshit. But um, yeah. Jay Z speaks more to the confidence in me, the arrogance in me, and I and I'm sure people can understand why uh, the way Jay Z raps, uh, the things he talks about, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Pac and Jay Z. That's pretty much um, described me to a degree. Damn, that rhyme, you know what I'm saying? I do write poetry, but I haven't written in a while. But, you know, it's always there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, another week, another episode. Um, this is part two. Part two of Trigger Warning. I told you I was going to come back uh, with a, a part two. I'm, I'm feeling like there's going to be a part three. 
And it's funny because last episode, you know, I talked about, you know, how people will always say to me when I was younger that I had the calling that I should be a, a preacher and stuff like that. And y'all know if you've been in the church or whatever, preachers used to always come with these series. They used to have these series of things they would preach about. <laughs> and I was sitting here going through the outline and stuff, writing uh, things down and stuff. I'm like, damn, shit. I'm being a preacher right now with my little series, my trigger warning series. This is my series right now, part two, and there's going to be a part three. I mean, I know there is because it's too much stuff to get into, and I'm not trying to have a a long, long episode because I I want to have it where, you know, I know certain people are not going to sit through an hour and a half, close to two-hour episode just in one day. So you got a whole week. A whole week, you got seven days to listen to an hour and a half, maybe two hours of an episode. So I don't want, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to hear no excuses of why you're not listening to the podcast. But um, (laughs) part one of Trigger Warning, I got some feedback from it. Actually, and I'm shocked. It was some good feedback. And I ain't going to lie, I was concerned about it. I'm, I'm always concerned about every episode that I do. I mean, that's just the the anxiety in me. Um, but I got a lot of feed, a good feedback from uh, Trigger Warning Part 1. <laughs> and the good feedback actually came from women. And, you know what I'm saying, I was, I was kind of concerned, but it, it came back good. So, you know... Um, Honestly, I don't know why, you know, I, I'm still working with myself. I'm still, you know, I'm in therapy. I'm working with myself with just not caring about what people think about about me and the things that I say and stuff. Normally, I mean, to be honest, when it comes down to it, I don't care. But I would be lying to say that certain thoughts and things didn't linger to have, to have certain cares about, you know, uh, what people think and stuff. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm not 100% vulnerable about everything in my life. I'm vulnerable about certain things in my life. And that is by design because I think certain things should be um, uh, sacred. I think certain things should be intimate. Um, but, yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm smoking... Uh, the last cigar out of the punch pack. Uh, so I will be having to go get a new pack of cigars. But this is a good one. Um, it's not too strong and it's flowing very good. There's no obstructions in the flow of this cigar. So, um, yeah, I haven't had to relight it since I've been smoking it. Got a good taste to it. It's not too strong. Um, I didn't go get a new whiskey this week. Um, I went up into the reserves. But I'm actually sipping on the same uh, whiskey that I was sipping on last episode. Excuse me. That's burp number one. I thought it was, I thought I should stick. Excuse me. Damn. That was burp two. We having one of these episodes. (laughs) I thought it was, uh, I thought it would be, um, I thought it should be, you know, I thought I should just continue sipping on the same whiskey for this series. So right now I'm sipping on the Woodenville bourbon whiskey. Um, 
It's real smooth. Um, it's one of the smooth, smoothest bourbon whiskeys that I've ever had. And I really like this one. I really do. Um, so it's Woodenville. Uh, W-O-O-D-I-N-V-I-L-L-E. Woodenville whiskey is is real smooth. <sighs> Take a sip of that. I'm on the second glass right now. I'm about to finish the uh, second glass. Um, yeah, but I was pre-gaming the Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? Um, feeling real good right now. Uh, ready for this episode. Ah, let me start the episode off properly. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Silver, not silver. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. Yes, indeed, we are back for another episode. Uh, let me pull up the outline. Mm. I just, um, you know, you uh, in the past, I've, I do my podcast in the basement. Anybody who's been listening for a while, even when uh, we were recording for the Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast, um, this was Rip's Boom Boom Room. But now I, I, I changed the name of that. You know what I'm saying? We donning a new name today. Rip's Tasting Room. Rip's Tasting Room. That's the new name of the studio. The Man Cave the chill spot, I mean, we got everything. All tastes are considered, all tastes considered. Cigars, uh, all types of drink, whiskey, cognac, wine, tequila. We got the pool table down here. We got the TV down here. We got the music down here. We got the the eddies down here. Whatever you need, the, all tastes are considered in rips tasting room yes a dawn of a new day rips tasting room yes so like i said i was smoking a uh punch cigar the last punch cigar in the punch pack that i purchased from uh, total wine and i'm sipping on woodenville bourbon whiskey straight bourbon whiskey 90 proof, 45% alcohol, nice and smooth, nice and smooth, yes. Before we get into the episode, I want to shout out greatestiamblog.com. I got a new blog post up. I am an entrepreneur I'm discussing uh, my thoughts, feelings, insecurities, all that good vulnerability stuff about me starting my new online store, online brand, a taste to consider.com. So check out the blog, check out the the website, the online store. Right now I have therapy and heal t-shirts up. This month is dedicated only to therapy and heal uh t-shirts for men and women. Uh when June come around I will have more merchandise coming up, but 
because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's the online store is dedicated to the therapy and heal uh, men's and women's t-shirts. Shout out to everybody who have purchased so far. Shout out to everybody who have shared it so far. Uh, shout out to all the people who have hit me up and congratulated me on the new uh, venture, the new um, website. I uh, appreciate all of that. Yes, indeed. Um, shoot. I'm tripping right now because I'm hearing stuff in in the background, but uh, in my townhouse community, uh, I live behind a big, like, um, a big grass area. I'll describe it like there's just a, a big old area full of grass. And some people are having a graduation party back there, so I can hear music and stuff going on back there. You won't be able to hear it, but I can hear it. Um, yeah, so uh, right now uh, we are in the Mercury retrograde pre-shadow phase. Um, yes, the pre-shadow phase. Pre-shadow phase. So the Mercury retrograde is officially coming, but during the pre-shadow phase, things will pop up that is significant to Mercury retrograde, um, travel, communication, electronics, all that good stuff. So if you're having difficulty right now communicating with a person or if any arguments have been coming up or difficulties comprehending something that somebody's saying to you or if you're having some issues with uh, booking your travel plans or if you popping up in some traffic or something like that, your timeline's getting screwed up, or if your electronics are not working as normal, it's because of the Mercury retrograde. We always have plenty of different type of, of retrogrades um, when it comes to the different planets, because I believe right now Pluto is actually in retrograde as well. But for some reason, Mercury um, retrograde is always a big thing because it, it just seems to always... <laughs> fuck with people <laughs> um it's funny because uh it was a meme that was meme that was going around on social media that said uh let me pull it up uh let me pull it up let me uh get my topics together um it said how you know mercury retrograde is about to hit and then it's a picture of j-lo and ben affleck and if you don't know j-lo and ben affleck is Rumored to be back together, um, not even a couple of weeks after her and um, who was she messing with? Uh, Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, and Alex Ro Rodriguez broke up, and now it's like I don't even think like two weeks later, her and Ben Affleck are <laughs> messing with each other again. So that was a that was a very accurate and funny meme because one thing about Mercury retrograde um, is that past experiences, past conversations, past relationships, past people that you had relationships with will possibly pop up. Everything doesn't resonate with everybody during each retrograde. So, you know, um, you may not have an issue with communication. You may not have an issue with your electronics. You may not have an ex pop up. You may not have a past situation pop up, you know, um, but Usually during Mercury Retrograde, past situations pop up and you will have to address them if they weren't addressed. Um, 
So if there's any like type of project or any type of conversation that you were meaning to have in the past that you didn't have, it's a possibility that it will pop up. Um, and there's also uh, um, encourage that you don't start any new projects doing Mercury Retrograde because if you do start any new projects, start any new jobs or anything like that, sign any type of new contracts or anything like that, uh, after Mercury Retrograde is over with, problems or those situations may have to be revisited. So just keep all of that in mind. Um, just talking from experiences, this shit is true. A lot of people don't believe in astrology, planets, and spirituality, all that good stuff, but this shit is true. I mean, just to just to be blunt, you don't have to believe me, but the shit is true. It's just it's it's bound it's bound to happen. It's a possibility that it will happen. Damn, yeah, this cigar is good. Got a good flow to it. Usually they say you should puff your cigar your cigar twice every minute to keep it flowing. And just now I've been talking for over a minute. And I just took a couple of puffs of the cigar and it was still flowing good. So that is a good thing. Speaking of uh relationships, let's I mean, I'm not really gonna get into it too much, but um in the past I have dabbled in reality TV. I watched all that stuff, uh loving hip hop, uh uh Housewives of Atlanta. I've even watched Kardashians. Shaws of Sunset is a good reality show. Um, I fell off on a lot of them jumps, but I still, I ain't going to lie, I still watch uh, Atlanta, Atlanta Housewives, and I still watch uh, Shaws of Sunset. Um, and it's funny because all this stuff in the past week has come up with the um, Real Housewives of Atlanta reality show with Portia and her messing with that. And now she's talking about some she's engaged to the to this guy. Um, that was that is married. It was it ain't no was. He's still married to um, uh, to this woman that was on the previous season that just ended of Real House of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And now Portia is engaged to this <laughs> to the dude. You know, what I'm saying? and it's funny because you know it's been a lot of shit on social media about it. People have been talking about it and stuff like that. And it's just crazy, man. Like, damn. I don't I, I don't even wanna I don't I don't know how to get into it too much because I think it would it would take away from the other topics that I have on the podcast. But it's just crazy, man, that that um Portia just like, you know what I'm saying, she don't care. I gotta get mine, you gotta get yours. I gotta get mine, you gotta get yours. She saw my man had that money, had that bread. She saw how the other chick was living because she came out and said that her and the chick wasn't friends. Um, her name is Phelan, so I won't call her chick uh, Phelan. Um, it was it was uh, shown on the show as if they were friends. But Portia is claiming that they weren't friends. Um, but it was an episode that Portia and a couple of other women on the show showed up to Phelan's house and Phelan introduced her to the to uh, her husband or whatever, and they was over her house in the pool smoking hookah and all that other stuff, 
and the husband, um, he claimed that they've been going through a divorce for over a year. So at that time that they recorded or whatever, they was technically going through divorce, according to his story. But it don't seem that way because even like in January of this year, he was talking that they were soulmates and stuff. But now he's engaged to Portia and it's what, May? So they were supposedly engaged in April. So, man, it's just wild, man. I swear. Like, some people will sell their bodies, sell themselves to get comfortability. And that, I mean, it, it, to be honest, it plays all into part one of Trigger Warning, part two of Trigger Warning, part three, possibly part four of Trigger Warning. That, you know, um, women, certain women, and, and let me preface this again, like I did on the first Trigger Warning. That when I say women, I'm not talking about all women. I just don't feel like saying some women or or certain women. I just ain't got the time to be remembering all of that. So I'm just going to say women. So like I said on last episode, if you're getting triggered, there's some truth to it. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to be all high mighty and stuff like that. I get triggered as well. So I'm just more self-aware in situations to know that when I get triggered that, you know, it's some truth to um that trigger, whether it be me actually doing something or it's just me actually thinking something, you know, thinking something without any type of uh, warrants to it. Um, but, yeah, let me scratch that off. I don't even <laughs> need to go further with that Porsche shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been... Uh, this week that just passed been kind of interesting. We're going through a gas shortage, supposedly. Uh, the Colonial Pipeline, I, I believe that's what it's called. Let me make sure I got that right. Um, yeah, the Colonial Pipeline has been, um, well, was. <laughs> I just think this shit is so funny. The Colonial Pipeline was, um, had a cyber attack and shut it all down and it the pipeline runs from New Jersey all the way through Texas so it it swoops down from New Jersey all the way through I believe Atlanta and then it just it it rolls through all the way through Texas so it doesn't hit like Florida or anything um if I'm not mistaken I know it definitely doesn't hit Florida but for some reason Florida is still being affected just based off of the fear and panic of people but yeah, man, this shit is crazy, man. This is a it's just some more shit that is going on that got people in a panic and fear from COVID, from um the vaccine and shit. Even before the gas shortage, there was a ch a chicken shortage. And it's always funny when I hear about the chicken shortage because it seems to be like always a chicken shortage during the most opportune times where chicken is more valuable. And that's usually during around Super Bowl time. And now, like right now, we having a chicken shortage right before summertime and the streets are starting to open with the COVID uh, restrictions, um, you know, uh, falling apart or or dwindling because people allegedly people are getting the vaccine and stuff like that because it's always crazy like i anytime i hear about a chicken shortage chicken wing shortage 
doing around the time doing Super Bowl, I just be like, I just be shaking my head because I be like, man, people are actually falling for this bullshit and not really seeing what's going on. This is a money play. The politicians, media, and all the um, upper people, if, if conspiracy people call them Illuminati and all that other stuff. This is a plan. Y'all don't think that it's strange or funny that a chicken wing shortage happens around Super Bowl time? The time, uh, the Super Bowl time where chicken wings are the most valuable. You know, people are going to be having Super Bowl parties and get-togethers and stuff like that. And then there's all of a sudden a chicken wing shortage. So then that's all they got to do is up the price of the chicken wings and shit and make more money off of them. So it's the same thing right now. They know people have been stuck in their house for over a year. We've been dealing with this pandemic and stuff. Restaurants are starting to open back up fully. People are starting to go and have more outdoor get-togethers and stuff right now. And then all of a sudden there's a fucking chicken shortage. This is a money play. Every All this shit is, is programmed around fear, panic, and money. This is a money play. They know people about to start traveling again. The um, the restrictions are going down and stuff. So people are starting are going to take more trips, road trips. They're going to start traveling more, people getting their vaccines. So these restrictions in certain countries and stuff are dropping off to say, well, you know, since you got the vaccine, you can come travel over here now. So, airline prices are going to be going up, um, all types of things that deal with travel, eating, restaurants, get together, all that shit is going up. All that shit is going up because this is a money play. I mean, this shit is, this shit is not rocket science, um, but this shit shows you that if people can't see, be, see past the, the money plays and the fear and the the panic around stuff, excuse me, burp three, excuse me, burp four, that ignorance is bliss. I mean, it's just simple as that. Ignorance is bliss. People have this faith in the government and corporations and stuff like that when they shouldn't because they're being played. And right now, this gas shortage, this chicken shortage, people are being played. People putting gas in plastic bags, hampers, um, Tupperware containers, cars blowing up. This shit is retarded. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I honestly look at it like the next shortage we're going to have is water, which is which is another thing that's retarded. It's going to be played around fear and panic because. This planet, just like our bodies, are between 70 and 80% water. More water than it is land and people. But there's going to be a shortage around that. I, I just feel it. I just feel like, I, you know what I'm saying, I'm open to being wrong, as I am always. I love learning, so I don't have a problem with being wrong. But I just feel as though that the next thing that is coming is a water shortage. I mean, it's already it's already being implied already by certain officials and um, what do you call those uh, people? Uh, the 
the green people and stuff, the people that's that's you know into um, saving the planet Earth and stuff like that. I don't, I forgot what they call them people, but yeah. I mean, you can actually go on Google and type in water short shortage, and you will see that the talk has already been out there. It's been out there for about two or three years. I mean, we've we've seen shit like that going on already with the stuff that's still going on in Flint, Michigan. You look at that um that young black girl who went viral talking about the water shortage in Flint, Michigan. She started out as a as a little kid. Now she's damn near a teenager, still posting the same thing that she was posting. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, it's 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 hard trying to put information out there and people just not receiving it. But I had to learn um, that, you know, everybody wakes up at different times and some people just ain't going to wake up. You know, it's, it's not a it's not a big deal as far as, um, you know, it is what it is, honestly. It is what it is. Um, I'm not in charge of anyone's life. Um, fear and anxiety can put you in a place where you try to control people's thoughts and the way that they do things and stuff. And I've been in places like that where my fear and anxiety was projected on other people and I tried to control certain situations or certain people and how they think and stuff like that. But I had to go through the process. Thankfully, I was self-aware enough to see that I was on that bullshit and I had to take a step back, you know. Um, So... You know, all all I can do is just talk. All I can do is talk and, you know, move the way that I see fit. Um, I don't judge nobody for thinking the way that they think or anything like that. Um, it may come off that way at certain times when I when I speak, I understand that. Um, but that's not the goal. That's not the um That's not the purpose. That's not the focus of what I'm trying to do. Um, I honestly believe that my one of my one of my flaws, as well as one of my greatest things, is that I'm lo- loyal to a fault, um, and that kind of hurts me in to certain degrees. I care. Um, I wouldn't say I care too much. Well, I guess you probably can't say that. If you're looking at it from a surface level, um, but on a deeper level, um, there's nothing wrong with caring too much and stuff like that. But you just got to understand that, you know, everybody has their own paths and their own paths of learning, their own way of learning things. And they have gone through certain things in their life that put them in certain perspectives and for them to see things a certain way. So, you know, um I don't believe in the the that talk that cliche talk of being around people who are like minded and stuff. You should be around all people because you know you can learn from everybody. You can learn from everybody and 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 learning how other people think it can it can change how you deal with people as well. So I always I always looked at working with people as a beautiful thing. Um, when I was younger. Uh, one of the things that I do um, 
look at as a positive of me being in the church as a young kid was being able to be around a lot of people and, and see different perspectives and perceptions of things and and learning how to work with people and stuff like that and becoming a leader and knowing when to lead and knowing when to follow and stuff like that. And me in the podcast game and and starting out with a group podcast and stuff like that, I had to be reintroduced to those those lessons. And even though I made mistakes in, in, in those group settings, it was a blessing because I was able to to be reintroduced to those lessons that I spoke of. And, you know, um, it allowed me to to just be able to handle certain things better. So like I always say, there's always levels to to certain level lessons of things that you go through. You might, you know, get through one thing, but there's a different level to that same lesson. So I I I just for some reason I just think it's a beautiful thing to just work with people and to to learn certain things. And um I'm thankful for that, you know, um certain situations may not have gone the way that I wanted them to go, but that's not, you know, that's life. Um but I harbor no ill feelings toward uh anybody. Um the crazy thing about it is um I harbor more, I, even though I don't really necessarily harbor ill feelings toward other people, I harbor more ill feelings toward myself. I beat myself up more than I would um, somebody else that I've, you know, dealt with and stuff, which is something that I've I've been working through all my, you know, all my life, and particularly since I've been in therapy and stuff. So, um yeah, I'm I'm thankful for that. Even though you know, it, it's not always easy to uh, be in stressful situations and you know, um, conflict and stuff like that. Because ultimately, you know, um, I want I just want everybody to get along, and you know, um, I love love, and whether it's platonic friendship romantic and stuff like that it I, I truly believe it's a beautiful thing and my the battle is always between love and fear <clears throat> it, it, it 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 truly is and I'm not sure if I'm gonna get into that this episode or part three but love versus fear is uh is a real thing and there's levels um to that but let me get shoot. I, I pretty much segue into all of that. So, I've talked about the Joe Budden podcast before on on my podcast. Um, and if you don't know, it's a it's been a lot of uh, turmoil in that podcast with Joe Budden and his co hosts Rory and Maul. And what happened the previous week is that he fired Joe Budden. He fired uh, Rory and Maul off the podcast, and um, I've pretty much have listened to six hours, if not over six hours, of podcast epi- podcast episodes <laughs> of Joe Budden and Rory and Maul separately in this in this week of loan. 
of them going back and forth with, you know, their podcast and what went wrong and feelings hurt and business versus personal shit and all that other stuff. So, like I said, he fired them off the podcast. And it's funny because, like, I spoke about it before that just being in uh, in a group setting and stuff like that, you know, you'll have egos, you'll have all that all that stuff. You'll have misunderstandings. You'll have people with different perspectives, different perceptions. You'll have jealousy. You'll have um, egos, shit, animosity, resentment, all that stuff in there. And what I find inter- interesting about it is that, you know, everybody has a narrative. I always say there's like, there's four sides to a story. That you got your you got your two sides, you got the truth, and then you got what can be proved. And I think that is something, and that's the side that I I came up with myself. The side that can be proved. Because you'll have everybody with their truths, you'll have the real truth, and then you can have what can be proved. And I feel like what can be proved is the most important thing thing because that is usually the the side that people gravitate towards well I ain't gonna say that let me let me backtrack I ain't gonna say that's usually the side that people gravitate towards because a lot of people just love love the drama and love the lies and stuff like that so Honestly, when it comes down to it, now that I'm thinking about it, who knows what side people jump to? Honestly, it just depends on their perspectives and their perceptions of things. Honestly, I mean, because people always look at it like you got to choose a side. And you really don't. You don't have to choose anybody's side. A lot of people are afraid to choose the side of truth. People choose somebody's side based off of them being the flunky. I mean, I'm just being real. I don't give a fuck no more. <laughs> I'm just saying shit. People are being flunkies, so they're going to choose a side. People are followers, so they're going to choose choose a side of somebody that they following or somebody that they envy and want to be like, you know what I'm saying? Usually, though, now that I'm thinking about it, usually those are the sides that people people will follow. People won't follow the truth because the the truth isn't isn't exciting. The truth isn't extravagant. The the, the truth isn't salacious, you know. But people so, some people look at it like a side has to be choose. And I don't agree a side between the two parties has to be choose. Between parties, I ain't gonna say two parties, between parties in general, because it could be more than just two parties. And in this case, it's three it's three people on this podcast that have stories, even though it's two 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 of the parties have a different story from one. Rory and all have a different story from Joe Button. But People people are really afraid to choose a side of the truth because they don't want to offend somebody. They don't want to make somebody mad. They don't want to lose somebody's friendship 
or or they're afraid that they're going to lose somebody's friendship if they don't step up and hold somebody else accountable. You know, um, I've seen it. I've gone through it. I mean, you have two against one or one against two and there's other people in the group and other people won't step up and it's very difficult to be in a group setting and you have people who aren't as vocal or won't, aren't necessarily alpha or are clicked up with another side and they won't hold people accountable because a lot of people aren't self-aware. A lot of people aren't self-aware enough to hold themselves accountable by themselves. And when you're in group settings, if if there isn't a, if there isn't more than one person pointing out accountability, then these people that feel that they are emboldened or their ego is too too strong or too or running too high or something, then they won't see it. So it's it's difficult being in situations where you're the only one stepping up and and speaking out and trying to hold people accountable for the things that they do and other people aren't aren't doing that as well. You I mean pretty much yes men. Um, you know, some people don't like confrontation. I understand that. Some people don't like speaking up. Some people don't want to rock the boat. For whatever reason that that is, there is. But they still see the fuck it. They still see the bullshit that is causing friction in certain situations. People don't like to talk about hurt feelings, especially when it comes to situations when it when it's men. They feel as though that is is weak. And I've talked about this several times before. Uh men have been brought up, particularly black men have been brought up to deal with situations like this with competing, with aggression and anger and stuff. Excuse me. That's burp five, six, I don't know. Excuse me. I apologize. But yeah. Hurt feelings. is not easily admittable when it comes to um, a group of guys. And people always try to make it seem like it's easy to just, if if I got a problem with you that, you know, I'm, I should just come to you and speak about it. A lot of people don't hold safe spaces for you to come talk to them. And a lot of times what, why should I why should I bother coming to talk to certain people when they always dismiss feelings and stuff like that and it's always interesting because people always talk about this personal versus business shit like that and particularly when it comes to quote unquote friends or quote unquote brothers and stuff like that like there is no separation from business and personal. And I feel like it's bullshit when people try to say we need to separate it or this ain't personal, this is business. This, this is bullshit.
in every part of life, there's a relationship. A relationship with self, a relationship with God, relationship with your parents, relationship with your siblings, if you have them, relationship with family, business relationships. There is a such thing as a term of business relationship. And when it comes to friends doing business together, shit will be personal. I mean, let's be honest. And I feel like people who try to discount that or try to separate the two, they do it because it's easier to justify the bullshit that they do to somebody else. I mean, it really is. You can have different types of people in, in group settings, people who are just emotionless, emotionless, who claim that nothing bothers them, that it is what it is and all that other bullshit. You have people that don't really want to rock the boat, so they be quiet. Some people that just like to just be followers and clicked up. You have some people who don't have a problem saying what it is because they feel as though that they want to push the group ahead. And it doesn't make sense to have these issues going on. You have jealousy within the group. You have animosity. You have resentment. For whatever reason, people don't... A lot of people, even if they have jealousy toward other people, they have animosity, resentment, some of them just aren't emotionally intelligent enough or self-aware enough to understand what's going on. So they don't see it as that. So they just see it as the person that they got the problem with, that they got the problem. That this nigga lunching, this nigga tripping, so I leave him over there, and when he comes to his senses, he can come back. That's why, it's, that's why it's hard to have resolve in situations when it comes to men, because a lot of men aren't emotionally intelligent. A lot of men aren't self-aware of their feelings and emotions. So it's easier to blame somebody else or to make somebody else a scapegoat for all of the problems in a group setting. You blaming one person for a problem with more than one person in it. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Everybody plays a role in these group situations. When it comes to Joe uh, Button and Rory and Maul, I feel as though all of them are bringing out good points. I don't agree with everything that they're saying, but I feel as though that they're all that they're, they're bringing out good points in their situation. Am I deep in their situation to really fully evaluate it? No, I'm not. So I'm not going to do that. So that's why I would just sit here and say that I agree with certain things, some things on both of their sides. But even if people were self-aware or emotionally intelligent to understand their jealousy for another person or their resentment, animosity, or even their insecurities that leads to these projections, they won't admit it. Us as guys, it's difficult for us to admit certain things that seem to make us look weak.
Some people need their egos to get them through certain situations. Our ego is, our ego is very valid to us having a human experience. That is part of us being a human, the ego. So the ego is very valid, but it's just all about mastering the ego. And a lot of people don't know how to master their ego. A lot of people really need their ego to get them through life, get them through situations because they haven't mastered the spiritual side, which in turn is their emotional and mental side, their emotional and mental intelligence of themselves and situations, of their insecurities. There's been a lot of talk about respect. And a lot of people have a hard time, particularly men, when it comes to being in group settings, period, because men just feel as though there's supposed to be competition between us at all, at all times, which is retarded. And that comes down to respecting each other's uh as a person, their gifts, their abilities, and stuff like that. But if you don't have no no respect for yourself and your your abilities and who you are as a person, it's, it's going to be difficult for you to have that for another person. One of the things that I um, had challenges with is understanding that that I had to actually relearn was that, you know, um, everybody everybody plays their own role, you know, especially dealing with, like, a podcast or any type of creative situation. Everybody has roles. Some people are creative. Some people aren't. Some people just are talent. Some people just show up just to to do the job, but there are creatives. And my misstep has always been feeling as though that, um, or thinking that in this group setting, everybody should have that same mindset, that same drive. And that's just not the case. Some people are just talent. Some people just show up. But then in turn, there are other people who are creatives. There are other people who are are into the production aspect of things like that. That's more, I, I can do all of it. Dealing with uh, Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast, um, I was putting, I was getting together topics and stuff like that. I was trying to secure talent all the time. I was running the, um, the podcast Instagram page by myself for for a while i prefer i prefer and this is just based off of my personality as from how i've built up habits based off of my de my depression and anxiety and stuff i don't like attention i don't like attention so i was fine with doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff you know cuz i love being creative i love being creative I come up with ideas every day. Every day I come up with a new idea. I love it. That it fuels me the creative ideas that I come up with. 
I'm very good at that. I have enough confidence in myself to say that I'm very good at being creative and coming up with ideas. I don't have that same confidence in being the talent, but I know I can do it because I've been doing it for ever since I've been in college. I've been praised for doing for being talent, but I just haven't built it up into myself yet that full confidence that other people have in me. So everybody isn't can't do can't do it all. I've always been the utility person in any setting that I've been in, in any job that I've been in, uh, any volunteer position that I've been in, even any hobby and stuff. I've always been a utility person. I love working. I love working in groups. I really do. But it's difficult when I'm putting, injecting my... Um, my when my anxiety gets into it as far as trying to push people to be on the same page to do everything that I that I'm doing and stuff like that. I had to relearn and stuff like that. I had to take step back. I had to look at myself. People saw it different ways, the way that they wanted to see it, but that was based off of their perspective and their perceptions of things. I had to calm myself down and really figure out that, you know, everybody just everybody just isn't the same way. Everybody has their own paths. Everybody does things different. I had to I had to relearn that. And I found myself in times when in the process of relearning those things that I was being judgmental and stuff like that. But being on the podcast is is difficult. Like I already said, uh, just doing, um, being with uh, unproductive and unapologetic, trying to get topics together for each episode, make a list, and just I, I had I, I had um, t- tablets, I had books, you know. Uh, in notes in my cell phone, topics, getting topics together for each episode, each episode, what topics would be good for us to talk about, da-da-da. I had, I would have lists together for each episode of what topics we'd talk about. Doing the social media stuff, marketing, pumping out episode each, every time we do episode, posting, 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 posting. Same shit I'm doing now for my individual podcast. Like, honestly, I would, I preferred to do the group podcast and just have this podcast be solely focused on, that was the plan, for this podcast to be solely focused on um, mental health issues and talking about my experiences. And if you go back to season one, you'll see majority of the episodes, and even season two, majority of the episodes were about mental health situations and things that I've gone through and things that I wanted to talk about. I thought it was counterproductive for this for this podcast to be doing the same thing that unproductive and unapologetic podcast was doing. But then I had to I had to roll with the punches. I had to evolve with the way that things was going, the way things panned out. So 
So um, yeah, Joe Budden he fired his his two co-hosts. I thought the show was good with them on there. You know, they had chemistry. They they've been uh, quote unquote friends and quote unquote brothers. Um, at one point, I looked at it as though the new people that he put on the show during the time that Rory and Maul was was gone, that it was good. But then I had to take a step back and look at it like, well, it, it's good because it's something new. It's, it's a ref- it's, the show has been refreshed. I enjoyed Joe Budden doing the podcast with Rory and Maul, but you could definitely feel the energy when shit was off. So that makes sense that I started to stale. It started to become stale, and I started to, to fall off a little bit on listening to the podcast because the energy speaks for itself. But what they did was a great thing. Um, and then in turn, it's a lesson to everybody who, who wants to come up with a group podcast or who's doing a group podcast right now. So, I mean, it's just it's just all lessons. Everybody is going, people in, in group situations are going to have their perspectives and their perceptions of things and stuff like that. But people are really afraid to have real conversations and to wipe out this animosity and uh, this resentment and I mean, let's be honest, jealousy. It's fucking jealousy and envy in certain situations. And if you can't admit that, you either not self-aware enough, you're not holding yourself accountable, or you're just straight lying. I mean, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, moving on and speaking of the Joe Putton podcast, let me move into, um, you know, I said just based off of part one of Trigger Warning, I'm going to continue the uh, conversation that I was having uh, off of the Kevin Samuels interview that Joe Budden uh, podcast had. Um, But before that, let me uh, go and run and take a bathroom break because the alcohol is running. One second. I'm back. I'm back. Yes, I'm back. Um, Let's get into this. uh, Get into some more of this Kevin Samuels interview on the Joe Button Podcast. Trigger warning part two. Um, I'm going to start off right here. Um, I played, I actually played this, this part on part one, but I'm going to start off right here again valuable that's why this show was kind of picked up now who are the women that typically are upset one the women who typically know they're not trying to be anywhere other than a partner the word submission is a curse word the 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 word it's all these newfangled things um the women who tend to be making more than the average woman who actually thinks being with a man um limits her Versus uh, freeze her up. I'm like, all right. And the net net of it, I ask all women, even even women who say don't like me, are they coming into interactions with men in good faith? Or is they already coming in thinking that something's going to go wrong? Or are they coming in with fear and scarcity and lack in their mentality? Is there any hope when you deal with a man? Or is it always, I want a man who's this, 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 this whole laundry list of stuff to where he's having to deal with Issues, traumas, things that you've not resolved in your past, and you take that to the next man, and you say, all right, then what is he going to get in exchange for that? 
Me. See, I just think that. Yeah, I started off with that uh, part again, even though I talked about it on part one, because I, I feel like it's really important. Um, it's really important because um, a lot of women. And even men um, are attached to um, trauma, drama, and negativity. I see it a lot on on social media with women. Um, a lot of the posts and the memes and stuff like that. It is all about trauma, drama, and negativity based off of a past relationship or a relationship that you are actually in at the moment. Like, I, I've talked about this plenty of times before, about how when Murray J. Blige was out or whatever, you know what I'm saying, a lot of the music that she was making was based off of trauma, drama, and negativity in the relationship. As soon as she, she got into a relationship and fell in love and stuff, People wasn't really supporting her no more and stuff like that. People was like, we want the old Murray back and stuff like that. People are, people like to be validated. They like the shit that they're going through to be validated. And it's just like even going back to like um, when you're dealing in group settings and stuff like that. People feed off of validation from their yes men, their, their flunkies, the followers and stuff like that. Instead of really actually coming down to some type of resolve. And coming back to women and stuff like that, it's easier to be hooked into something that you're familiar with, that drama, that trauma, that negativity, instead of actually healing. And how I was talking about in part one is these simp dudes out here, you, the Dirk Jacksons of the world and the Justin LeBoys and all that other stuff like that. They're feeding off of that. Even these women influencers that's out here, they feed off of that. You got these bitter bitties that's pushing this narrative of fuck a man, fuck a man, this and all that. You got it from your, on, that's on social media. But before all of that, you was getting it from your aunts, you was getting it from your friends, you was getting it from your mother or whatever. Fuck man, fuck man, all that. These are just cycles that people are just continuing. Like these, this shit gotta be broken. Same thing with men with the with the emotional intelligence and and stuff like that. This shit gotta be broken. We too caught up and we too attached to this shit to see anything different or to see to see that there's a better way. We're afraid to jump into the into the deep end and to get shit popping to to. To change shit, to change the the perception of things, to change the narrative of things. It's easier to be caught up into that drama, that negativity, that trauma and stuff like that. It's easier to do that. It's easy. And social media plays a big part in that. Social media is dictating people's relationships, dictating their lives because of the trauma, the drama, and the negativity. People gravitate toward that shit. You want, 
y'all know. I mean, you be on social media enough to know that people be throwing those negative memes around. And when it comes to men, it's always some men bashing type shit. Or you got the simp ass niggas talking that shit. They're 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 just giving you what you want in order so they can get something that they want that they want. They're playing you, both sides, the simp dudes and the women influencers. It's always about something. If you look, you look at the women influencers, and you will see most of the time they got some business or something attached to them. Or they just a straight-up hurt-ass individual. You see these simp dudes, they trying to sell something. It is always a game. I don't know how to play chess, but when it comes down to it, to to use that analogy, they're playing chess while people are stuck in this checkers game and thinking stuff is just, oh, I'm just going to jump over you, take your man, and get to the point where you can king me. That's just black and white right there. When you when you involved in chess, I may not know how to play it, but I understand it. It's deeper than that. Everything, all this, all this stuff that people are caught up into is superficial. That's superficial. Superficial stuff is surface level stuff. People are afraid to go deeper. People are afraid to go deeper. It's more comfortable to be on that surface level, to have your head above water so you can see everything. People are afraid to go under that water. Let me move on to the next. Uh, the next portion of the interview. Uh, what's that? 2826. I'll start right here. My fingers are too uh, um, big to to try to move the the this small ass dial through, so I'm gonna start right here. Both from both. Right? Listen, I went on the I went on the internet and gave my money away. I believe you, but yeah. what he's saying is for these independent thinkers, quote unquote, that always tout that they don't need a man. I don't need no man for this. I don't need no man for that. God just showed you. Yes, you do. Well, see, the difference but do they is really need them? the difference like, is yes. The difference is men have always understood that ain't nobody coming to save you. Ain't nobody coming to save you. The world doesn't care about your problems because all you got to do to see what happens to a man who's been on Wall Street and now he's living in the park. We know that can happen to us. Mm -hmm. Right. Women of any society have been shielded from the, from the, from the harshness of the world. Well, when you can't continue to shield women, women from that, then they have to start dealing with it. You as a man know, if I'm driving a car, I got to be able to handle what happens with coming with this. Most women just think I'll just call somebody. I can bet. I, 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 I something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and so but, what does that mean? What does that mean? I could just call yeah, somebody. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. What's wrong with that? We yeah. don't have watch that this. luxury. No, watch this. Well, well, but that comes with the, a certain the point, realization. The point, well, let me, let me the point I'm getting to is that women, men of a society have always known if you can't produce a cover for yourself, the streets or the, or the park is for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Women don't. They will make a demand of society. Go to Korea. Go to Japan. Those are two countries that are dying. Their population is aging out. People are being found living in their places dead for three or four days. It's called Kodukoshi. They gave it a name because the people under 35 are not marrying and dating. But here's the thing. 
You have women who are pet groomers, florists, teachers. That's not rich money. But they make demands of society. I, you, um, I, I told a story the other day. When I was broke in school, I had to sell a textbook. I had to go without, tighten your belt. Men talk about, we, we, we talk about how broke it was, eating sardines for dinner and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Couple noodles. You didn't want but, no but, sardine smoke with me. But, <laughs> but I, when I actually started dating a woman who was in uh, another school, she was eating well. Shrimp, crab, lobster, and everything else. I'm like, where you getting all this money and all you broke? Food stamps. He's like, I'm a college student. I, I, I can qualify for food stamps. That never would have crossed my mind no. to go get food stamps. No. Because men accept, if I don't have it, I don't get it. Women have been shown that if I don't have it, someone will do it for me. I could, I could do you I know could, what for it. Uh, or and it's like, you know, I had a program where I asked one. So I agree with what he said to a degree. What was talked about to a degree. Yes, women uh, in, in situations like this is personal experience. I've known women who've got on assistance and stuff like that. Um, that that that's. That's never a thought in a in a man's mind. Like I remember when uh, I'm a government contractor, been a government contractor for years. Um, I was on a contract for like um, 15 years. I was on this contract for oh not not 15 years, 11 years. I was on this contract for 11 years. Government contract for yep 11 years. Contract was ended, straight ended. Uh, got laid off. I got a severance and all that other stuff. I'm sitting um, in the house. Got a mortgage to pay. Got bills to pay. Car note. All that. All that stuff. I never once thought about uh, doing uh, food stamps or anything like that. Did I do unemployment? Yes, I did. And and I'm not saying that that's women's fault for actually being smart enough to get on a census. That's actually smart. <laughs> um. But men aren't taught to do that. We're taught to pull out, put up, pull up the bootstraps and get the going. Like I was unemployed for four, five, six months, between four and six months. I don't remember how long it was. Uh, had a mortgage to pay, car note, other bills, all that other stuff. Um, I took a less paid paying job, like, like. Less pain job, less pain job. <laughs> like, cause I just wasn't gonna sit around and just be just like, I got shit. I got, I got my house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got my house. I got my car. I'm taking less pain job. I took two, two, two jobs within uh, a sp- first job I took. I was only at that job for a month. I wasn't even. I wasn't making a. I wasn't making a lot of money salary wise to live in this. Live in the the DMV, DC, uh, Maryland, Virginia area. I wasn't making enough. Like even with that salary, I still had to tap into my severance and stuff like that. Still had to tap into my unemployment. I was only at that job a month. Another job popped up. I was applying like crazy. Boom, boom, boom. Like no, I'm a man. I got this. The shit that I gotta do. So I was at at that job for a month found another job was paying a little bit more than the job that I was at but wasn't paying what I was getting and wasn't paying enough like shit because the job I was at that I got laid off from still wasn't paying enough to cover my bills 
But being a man, you got to do what you got to do. No, no fucking excuses. So I was at the second job. I was at that job for for um, maybe about three, four, five months between that period. Found another job. Making more money than I was making from the job that I got laid off from. Boom. I was cool. To a degree. I was cool to the point that I, I had a little bit more security to know that I was making enough. But I had piled up. I had piled up expenses during the time that I was laid off and even when I was at the low paying jobs. So I was still having to work through that. Right now, I've been at the third job that I got for, in August, it'll be four years that I've been at this job. So I was unemployed. I got a, I was unemployed in 2016. It's 2021. So that's five years removed from being laid off. I'm still trying to catch up from that shit. Still trying to catch up. I'm I'm all I'm to the point now where I'm starting to pull my my head above water. And I couldn't complain, no excuses or nothing like that. Because a man and the way that society teaches us, as opposed to the way society teaches women, that that you should be pampered and the princess of everything like that. But being a man, you got to do your shit on your own. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is the program. And let's not fake. All of us are programmed to some degree. Sitting in my basement now, the way it looks compared to, to the way it looked before I was laid off, man, I am grateful. I'm grateful. I'm blessed. My house the shit that I've been able to do to my house these past couple of months, past couple of years, I'm grateful because my ass was unemployed. My ass was making money, shit money, compared to what I was making. Not saying that it wouldn't be good for nobody else because it was still good money, but not for this area. Not for this area, no. But I got through. I had to do it from my bootstraps. And this is this is sort of what is being relayed in in these conversations with with Kevin Samuels. And I'm not saying that he's going about it the right way. But what he's saying is not false. And let me move on to the next the next uh, portion of clips. Let me see. Was this 35, 3557? Um, oh shit. Let me go back. Um, 3557. All right. I'm going to start right here. Men understand you have to produce. Men produce in mass. Women consume in mass. Of course, we can find anecdotal exceptions across the board. But in general, I have a... There are exceptions. So this is not a thing of it just being all women, like, I, like I've been trying to say. And what he is saying, honestly, what he's saying. And this is not a fault of men or women. This is the way that we've been programmed. But are we actually going to be honest and understand that we have been programmed? A year worth of a show talking to women across from one thing to another. And when given an opportunity, women want men to be providers, 
fine. But are you the traditional women that you? The, but are you the traditional woman that a man supposed to provide for? No, and that's no. my point. Yeah, yeah, so that, my point I agree, is, I agree with you that. can't pick and choose when you want an traditional. traditional old school guy. My grandma, my grandfather did X, Y, and Z. My grandfather provided, and your grandmother shut up and took what came with that. Your grandmother knew how to cook a sweet potato pie. You don't. Your grandfather. So you can't pick and choose when you want to be a new era woman. <laughs> she but, put up with it. And then, it, and when it benefits you, be an old school woman. You can't do that. You can't say I want a traditional relationship over here when it's beneficial, and then now you want to be a new age woman when it's beneficial. You can't do that. You can't okay. say. You get what I'm saying? Like you want to go out well, to one thing. Okay. One thing that bothers people about my show is. I'm just let I, I talk to women who call into the show in real time. I'm not just I'm not making it up. You can go hear what they're saying, and many women are like, "What are you going to argue with?" I had a woman, 31 years old, the other day, talking about the same thing. God going to send me a husband. God going to send me a husband. God going to send me a husband. And then turns out that you know it's up on my channel right now. Do you know how to cook? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? Are you a, are you a Christian wife? Are you talking about God with these long eyelashes and everything else? And are, and it turns out that you said I'm a cooperative woman and I'm a Christian, but then when I ask you about your previous relationships, you run the men off because of your mouth. Now, that's not cooperation. What we've been that's told not, is the problems in relationships. The problem, what we've been told and marketed to, from color purple, which was BS. Marketed, marketed, programmed. There was the controversy around the color purple at the time it released. Go look at it; it's still on microfiche. They said the impact that. And let me say this: like, it's crap. It's it's crap. Women out there and it's crap men out there. Crap as far as the thinking and how they moving in in the streets. I'm not beyond saying or thinking and believing that. I know that. I know that. So this is why this is a trigger warning. Because if you're getting triggered by it, it might be some validity to that as far as how you're moving or conducting yourself. Or it may just be that you got a false narrative thinking in your mind. So it's not necessarily that you're actually doing that. You may just been programmed to think that way. So are you gonna fix that programming that way of thinking or not. I mean, that goes for men and women. That goes for men thinking that every woman is a gold digger and that every woman ain't going to sit there and be a nurturer and be a homemaker or be their intimacy partner. Movies had on the black culture. Is, rever is 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 catastrophic. Before 1965, we were married at a rate of 80 percent, 80 percent. The most married people in Jim Crow segregation and everything else. But after that, what do we have? Now we get color purple, waiting to exhale. Then you know we mentioned uh, Brother Tyler Perry and all his. Waiting to exhale was a great movie and one of the greatest soundtracks ever to be made. I just wanted to put that in there movies we get a woman's side of it and it's always the man of the problems okay but there's a reason we always get the woman's side of it no i said that this morning did i not there's always there's a reason i said that this i know that's, that's the that's tyler reason. perry it's, movies it's profitable yeah, i don't really yeah. like it yeah. it's, it's profitable they are playing on your emotions they're trying to keep you in this space because they know that you are the number one consumers 
So don't take your anger out on men. Take your anger out on the system. Pop pop told us the women by the album. I don't really like women. And I don't like that narrative that Tyler Perry preaches. He's a black man. You got to congratulate and appreciate everything he's done. But in Tyler Perry's movies, if you watch most of the narratives, the wealthy black man is the villain. Ain't shit. Yeah, he's nasty. He ain't shit. He's nasty. The broke black man is the savior. So it's dark skinned, rich black man. Abuser, then light skin, bomb, blue collar, yes, with yeah, a not love, bomb, for, not bomb, but blue with a love blue. for Jesus, gonna come and save yes, and restore indeed, you. Indeed. And see, the theme thing indeed. is, all right. So what we don't have is the other side of the story. Sister Shahara Zali in 1989 wrote that book, "The Black Man's Guide to Understanding a Black Woman." She took a lot of heat for that. And if you go back and look at some of the stuff on Donahue. Uh, Geraldo, she was saying some of the same things that everybody else in this country has had their behaviors and everything examined, except in our community with our women. The black woman. Black women have been held uh, apart from the consequences uh, or accountability for their choices. You're free to make your choices. You can want what you want, but accept what comes along with it. And this is why... You know, so many women are like, well, who are you to even say something? Now, wait a minute. You can talk about you don't want no scrub and this and that. Y'all can say some of the most egregious stuff, but if a man just happens to, to, to speak a truth, then all of a sudden, he needs to be canceled. He's Satan. He's, he's a menace. Gay. He's right. gay. He don't like, like women. He, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a push. I, I, I have a We have no spa- safe spaces when it comes to these conversations with, with black women. We have no safe spaces. Because like you said, we looked at it as either being gay or we on that bullshit or whatever. But a lot of women are entitled. A lot of women are entitled based off of the program that's been put in their face. Each and every day. From the moment that they were kids. This shit is a cycle. That's why I will always point out this shit started from the Willie Lynch syndrome. Excuse me. Willie Lynch syndrome, the buck-breaking era, back in slavery, when it was the job of the slave owners to break down the strong black man. And in turn, with the black woman seeing that strong black man being broken down to the most vile degrees, that that black woman, if she had a son, that she shielded him to the point where she made him solve, prevented him from being his own man, from preventing him from being masculine, from preventing him from being a true man, of preventing him from being the protector of the family because she didn't want him to receive that same treatment. Pushback for you. Okay. What do you say to the women that have no problem with you saying the things that you say, but that have an issue with you profiting from the things that you say? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that makes no sense. It doesn't. No. no. It, yeah, that did, makes no did, sense. Did, did, a lot of did women, these same women have a problem with Steve Harvey profiting? Yeah. So, so again, when you cater to them, oh, no, do they have a problem so, with so, you so, monetizing? What I always say: the Steve Harvey effect. 
Again, this is a unique issue for a black man. Gordon Ramsay can profit from calling you a stupid effing little monkey and have Hell's Kitchen. Simon Cowell can tell you, are you serious? And they love him. Yes. But if a black man... See, the rules for mm. black men are unique. Indeed. They don't want black men to be strong out here. They don't want them to be strong out here. They want the divide between black women and black men. Because they know if the black man had his true strength, that they couldn't get to the black woman. But they using black women to push their agenda. We're supposed to do everything and ask for nothing. Nothing. Yet, yet, um, we prisoners in our own home. We prisoners out on the street and we prisoners in our own home. I mean, shit, look at it. To be honest, I'm sitting in the quote-unquote man cave. We have to find safe spaces in our own home because we have no outlets. We have no safe spaces. Uh, Olivia, who wrote uh, Scandal and all these different shows, mm -hmm. they can so profit showing some of the worst behaviors. Mm -hmm. But see, it's a black woman. Or you can get up and pen. I've watched Scandal when it was out. Big fan of it. But I didn't, it didn't go over my head that the fact that they made Olivia Pope's father such an issue, but they made the white president such a savior. She was doing, the black woman was doing foul dirt just to be with this white man. But going to the depths the depths of hell, the depths of hell, the depths of hell to fight against her black father. The black women and tell them, you know, see, nobody, everybody talks about you've been divorced. Y'all don't say that to Steve Harvey. That's what I just said. Don't say, don't a say lot of them told me that you were divorced. I, 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 yeah, that's but not, who the hell is he to tell but people but see, where all his fell relationships? Hold on, but see, here's the thing. When we don't like what a black man says, then we try his past. Yep. Mm -hmm. See, nobody cares when you're saying what's what mm -hmm. uh, when you tell them what they want to hear, and what does it have to do with any? It's funny because ever since Kevin Samuel's been popping and stuff, now it's a lot of stuff coming out of people trying to challenge his sexuality, trying to say he's gay and stuff like that challenging him based off his past because he's been divorced. And it's, it's, it's funny because it's a lot of women, there's a lot of black women out here that love hanging with black, with gay black dudes. I mean, I've heard it all the time. I need a gay black, a black friend. This comes from women. And I feel to a degree that black women feel as though that black man is, is, is more safer because he's gay. <laughs> and that in turn, that, that speaks to a lot of stuff when, when you see a lot of black mothers trying to coddle their, their sons and stuff like that. And it's to the point where their sons become their, their significant other. But that's for another show.
Anything. Two plus two is four. I use a lot of facts, data, statistics that anyone can go look up sure, themselves. Uh, and that's what bothers them because it's not an argument. It's like, well, we really did. What, what, you know what the real party is? They piss because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kissing their ass and telling them what they want to hear. Indeed. See, if I was doing what everybody else did, oh, they'd make me a multimillionaire. Yeah. I don't need it. Well, Y'all want these simp-ass niggas like Dirk Jackson, Justin LaBoy, and that other nigga that I, I pointed. The other nigga I let me fix the mic. The mic. See, I, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm I'm so into it right now. I'm grabbing the mic and it's, it's messing up. <laughs> but y'all, y'all want these dudes to validate the trauma, the drama, and the negativity that y'all going through. That's what y'all want. It's the same. It's it's just like. All this shit is parallel. You think about uh, government, you think about people in power and stuff like that. They don't never promote the shit that they really need to promote. Healthy living, eating right, exercising, having good mental health and stuff like that. They'll promote you getting a vaccine or taking some type of prescription medicine or something like that. Same thing with this shit. They won't promote you going to therapy or trying some going trying some type of other tool to to heal your mental emotional health they rather you get validated through the the trauma the drama and the negativity to keep you in their grasp fear-mongering panicking all that so they can control you so they can get what they want Let me fast forward to the next clip. Um, let me see. 4709. Damn, right on it, right on the dot. Here we go. Women will say, Yeah, you say you don't want one thing, but what are you liking on this? I am so damn tired of women telling men what we think and what we want. You say what we want, and you you know why this and I hear this all the time, and I've experienced it plenty of times before. We say exactly what we want, but y'all still assume, project whatever it is onto us, which y'all think y'all hearing. But we exactly one thing about one thing about men when it comes to saying when we get down to actually saying what we gotta say, we say exactly what we mean in the relationship. But it's not it's not what y'all want to hear because y'all so attached to the drama, the trauma, the negativity that y'all thinking that it's something else because y'all so stuck on something else that somebody else has posted, somebody else has said, your friends, your mother, your aunt, your grandma, whatever. We are telling y'all exactly what we want and it's not complicated. It's not a lot. But y'all resist from doing the healing that y'all need to do that it ain't no forward moving. And not to say that it ain't men out here that need to heal either because we we fuck up a lot of shit and we handle a lot of shit fucking wrong because we need healing as well. But the whole narrative is shaped as though women are the son 
and men are just living in the shadows. Our feelings, our thoughts don't matter. Because 80% of us was raised by women, and we are so used to women leading us, they think they own us. Yeah. He's right. And they don't. That's true. We're the only group of men that do. Either you want a man to be a man, or you don't. Like, seriously. I see so many women out here talking about the bullshit that they want a good man, they want this or whatever. I know so many good men that just want to be in a relationship and just want to just give the woman everything that they want. But y'all don't give these men no chances. Because y'all are so focused on attention. Since we want to make up these terms, since like I talked about at part one, situationship. There ain't no such thing as no situationship. It's a relationship. But since we want to make up these words, I'm going to make up attentionship. There's a lot of women out here that want to have attentionships. Attentionships. And that's just for social media purposes. Bragging purposes. Niggas be in the most fucked up relationships, but as long as they got somebody to show off so they can get some, some type of attention that another woman ain't getting, or so they can one-up another woman or brag, that's fine. Being the most fucked up relationships. They know the nigga cheating on them and everything. But as long as they got some, some nigga to, to show off, to get some type of attention from, they fine with it. Attentionships. Attentionships. Fuck. Mule to our women. Go over to go over to Chinatown and see if this shit happens. Go over to the Middle East. Go ask. Go ask Mohammed or, or, or Ahmed what they they don't put up with this mess. We put up with it because we have such an ir, irrational, dysfunctional reverence for women in our culture because we have a matriarchy to where we they try to make us question. And it's crazy because in the black community, you hear a lot of black women always talking about patriarchy, patriarchy. From the time that I can remember, women have always run the black family. That has always been the narrative that I've that I've saw, the narrative that I've heard. And this is where it comes from when I was talking about on part one when it comes to the feminism movement. And white feminism is totally different from black feminism. They are using y'all and they are playing y'all for their agenda. This black feminism ain't black feminism. It is white feminism. You are using white feminism. There's no such thing as black feminism because these white women won't even align with y'all when y'all need it. They got y'all caught up into this feminism movement, but this feminism agenda is to put down a black man. And as I said, when this feminism movement came about back in the day, it wasn't because they wanted to be equal to their, to their counterparts, the white man. No, they was pissed off because they saw black men being above them. So that's why the feminism movement came about, because they saw black men having jobs, making great salaries and stuff like that, buying homes for their black women, their black families. 
So they got pissed. So now black women are caught up into this white feminism rave, this fever, this movement. And y'all doing the job for them. This is after the Willie Lynch syndrome. This is just a, a, a greater push of the Willie Lynch syndrome. They're using black women to do their job. They want this divide. Why do you see so many commercials where it's a white man and a black woman with mixed race kids? They're pushing this narrative. You'll be hard pressed to see a black man and a white woman with mixed race kids on any type of commercial, movie, TV show, whatever. You gotta pay attention to these things. They are playing games against us. We can sit here all day long and say, well, that's not what we're about and all this other stuff. But we have to get to the point where we're playing the same games that they're playing because they're using this shit against us. They're using everything against us. They're using shit that they made up against us, and they're using shit against us that have been the whole essence of, quote, unquote, being black. Oh my! It's our fault, though. Would you agree with that? Ultimately, uh, the will, black man I will is say, leaving the I will household. say that there is. I want to be careful when I say with that because that's going to get misused. There are some structural things that happened that okay in nineteen in the sixties when the when the Great Society came in uh, and Lyndon Johnson put in the Great Society, they did not they did not expect to happen what happened. Go read the Monaghan Report and Monaghan Scissors. They did not expect to give government assistance and food stamps to the black community and for women to choose the, the check over the men. Over the men. They were actually confused as to why this happened. It was like, wait a minute. We thought we would give this to you for a little bit. And then once you kind of got stable, or, temporary or, then you get back. But no, no, no. They took the benefit. So I've talked about this before on this podcast, on Unproductive Podcast podcast along with Scott Higgs who does the Unprocessed and Knowledge podcast. Back in the 60s and stuff during the civil rights time and stuff when they started rolling out all that government assistance and stuff like that, black women couldn't get that assistance if the man, the black man was in the house. So a lot of those black women chose to kick the black man out of the house to get that assistance. Shout out to Unprocessed Unknowledge Podcast, Scott Higgs. Is it the man's fault um, that you were locked out of unions, unable to get equal jobs and things like that? No, it's not their fault. It's your ultimate responsibility that you were not able to provide for a family you have yet. You can go look at it yourself. Prior to 1960, 65, we were married at a rate of 80%. Broke. Jim Crow, segregated, lynched, everything else. But we had us a community. We had HBCUs. We had churches. We stuck together. We had black business. We had black buses, this, that, that. But as soon as it came in, when the women were given a choice, far more chose this over the men. And that's, what, that's, the, that's the original quote-unquote sin that we have yet to deal with in the black community. That makes black men feel some kind of way, and black women don't like to acknowledge the fact of that. I have a question for you. I have two other things. Okay, but 
are you taking that statistic of the rate at which black women are marrying, right? Mm-hmm. And saying they're... Un- I'm going to save that for, for uh, part three. But yeah, he he laid it out that th- all this shit is by design. This ain't no... This ain't no coincidence that marriage rates and the dating scene and all that other stuff is going down the way it's going down in the black community. This shit is by design. It really is. Excuse me. All right. That's to the point now where we so indoctrinated into um, the infighting in the black community where you see certain sides of the black community wanting Dr. Umar to go against Kevin Samuels because they look at it as like Kevin Samuels is is talking about black women. He's being too harsh. He's putting down black women and stuff like that. He is telling the truth. And that's the problem with, with the black community. Like, we won't have these tough conversations. And it's so it's always... It's always this thing about us debating each other. We always worried about debates. Fuck a debate. The debate ain't getting us nowhere. That shit is ego ego stroking. It's all about trying to see who's smarter than the other. Fuck that. We are all smart. The black we have proven enough that the black that we have enough intelligence, creativity, um, all that other stuff in the black community. So it is about us coming together to fix this shit. And that ain't happening because everybody is trying to stroke egos. Fuck. But when it comes down to it, like, just going back to, you know, the drama, trauma, and negativity in relationships and how, you know, uh, women have their perspectives on it and their perceptions and the cycle being passed down and stuff like that. And the social media age of things, black women have to start being present in relationships. We're too focused on what everybody else is doing on the shit that's being, being pushed out to us, the narratives on TV, movies, commercials, um, these bitter bitties out there that's, that's influencers and stuff like that. We got to get our shit together. We just got to. I mean, we not present in relationships. Being in a relationship, worried about when we getting married, when we getting engaged, or when you going to post me on social media and all that other stuff, and just not enjoying the relationship, not working together, not getting shit together. And that's just, that's just period on both women in relationships and, and group settings with with women and group settings with men and working in business and shit like that i'm gonna play this last clip because i'm over an hour and 30 minutes i'm gonna play this last clip because this is the clip that i previewed on the last episode i'll come back to this on part three this is the series i'm being a pastor right here having a series of episode but this is uh Shahzada ali this is the clip that i previewed on last episode and we're gonna finish it off right here So why is it so hard for our sisters to go out of their way to please their man? Well, I think uh, whenever I hear a sister say that uh, she don't like men, including the 
our gay sisters, when they say, I can't stand men, I don't want no man, I'm tired of them, I'm moving on, and a lot of things, then they really haven't had a man because there's nothing more satisfying than being able to please your man in the home, especially in regard to fixing his food, fixing his dessert, helping him dress, and just little small things that we can make him feel wanted. We have a man who everybody hates. <clears throat> we hate him. His mama hate him. His family hate him. The white police hate him. The regular white men and white women hate him. This is a man who is hated by everyone. The mm. only solace that God made for him was us. And when it comes to us and can't get any sanctuary at all, then he don't have no life. And th then they win because what they want to do is to destroy him and make us think that we are better than him so that we will help the enemy destroy our own man that God gave us. We have the best man on earth. Everybody want him. He looked better than everybody. He's stronger than everybody. He is the best, the wisest, and the most beautiful. Now, of course, many of our men have been tricked by the enemy too. But since we are the mothers, we are the first face they see. We are the first person they talk to. We the first person to feed them. We do all of that and raise them up. Mm. And so if there's a silly man out here, he didn't grow up and be silly. He was silly as a little boy because his mother mismanaged him and didn't reparent him using the truth. Mm. Wow. Oh, man. I'm not even going to say any more off of that. I'm going to just let that sit with y'all. Whatever, you know, however you want to feel about it, I'm going to let that sit with y'all. You know, I always end the podcast with a song. And this is the song that I came up with. I mean, uh, like, share, download the podcast, A Taste to Consider podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Check out greatestiamblog.com. I got a new blog up there. Check out all the blog posts that I got up there. They're all relevant to, to this day. Also, go on a taste to consider consider.com to check out my Therapy and Heal uh, men's and women's t-shirts. Thank you for everybody who support. I appreciate y'all. Y'all, I mean, seriously, y'all don't know how much I appreciate y'all. Um continue supporting me because I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, I'm shadow banned on Instagram um, because I was talking about the vaccine and the social justice stuff and stuff like that. So share the podcast. That's what I'm asking for you. Share the podcast. Share it on your stories. Share it on your, your feed. Whatever you got to do. I mean, at least share it on your, on your stories. It's 24 hours. Share it. Just please do that. Share it and tag me. Tag me. A lot of people share my stuff and don't tag me. I need y'all to tag me so that I can know that y'all actually tagged me, supported me and stuff, so I can, you know, reach out to y'all and thank y'all. And, you know what I'm saying, it can be, you know, I can, you know, shoot, who knows, give y'all something, a free T-shirt or whatever. But just... Keep supporting me because I've been shadow banned. I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want to focus on that bullshit because the only person who who has power over this is God, the creator, you know. Um, but, yeah, continue supporting me and stuff like that. I appreciate y'all.
Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's so much stuff I want to say, but I'll leave it there. Um, we're going to end with this song. A Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. That's silver, not silver. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. Let's go. Sticking to the podcast. How many of us? How many of us? How many jealous? Real friends. There's not many of us. We smile at each other. But how many honest? Trust issues. Switch up the number. I can't be bothered. I cannot blame you for having an angle. Ain't got no issues. I'm just doing my thing. Hope you're doing your thing too. I'm a deadbeat cousin. I hate family reunions. Fuck the church up by drinking at the communion. Smelling free wine. Now my tux is ruined. In town for a day. What the fuck we doing? Who your real friends? We all came from the bottom. I'm always blaming you, but what's sad? You not the problem. Damn, I forgot to call him. Shit, I thought it was Thursday. Why you wait a week to call my phone in the first place? When was the last time I remember the birthday? When was the last time I wasn't in a hurry. Uh. Tell me you want to take this when it's game. Say sick and sit podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Now we coming from the tasting room. Even for real friends. I love you. Thank you for the support. I guess I get what I deserve, don't I? Talk down on my name, throw dirt on them. Couldn't tell you how old your daughter was Couldn't tell you how old your son is I got my own junior on the way though Plus I already got one kid Couldn't tell you much about the fam though I just showed up for the games though Maybe 15 minutes, took some pictures with your sister Merry Christmas, then I finished, then it's back to business You wanna ask some questions about some real shit Like I ain't got Chase enough pressure to deal with Please don't pressure me with that BillSitter.com uh. Oh, you've been nothing but a friend to me Niggas thinking I'm crazy, you defending me It's funny, I ain't spoke to niggas in centuries Kanye to West, honest, dog, real friends energy. Let's go Money turn your kid into an enemy Niggas ain't villains, they pretend to be Looking for real friends. real friends How many of us, how many of us are real friends to real friends, to the real end, to the real follow, to the wheels yeah. don't spin. Yeah, yeah. To 3 a.m. Calling. How many real friends? Just to ask you a question, just to see how you was feeling. How many? For the last, you was running. I hate when a nigga texts you like, "What's up, fam? Hope you good." You say, "I'm good. I'm great." The next text, they ask you for something. Take stick and sit podcast. What's best for your family, immediate or extended? In the argument, the media extended. I had a cousin that stole my laptop that I was fucking bitches on. Pay that nigga 250000 just to get it from him. Real friends. Eh? Real friends. I guess I get what I deserve, don't I? Word on the streets is they ain't heard from him. 
Uh, I guess I get what I deserve, don't I? Talk down on my name, throw dirt on them. Taste sticking to the podcast. Taste sickness to the podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. That's silver, not silver. A taste. Take us to the podcast. I am the taste of a taste. Take us to the podcast. Let's go. Uh huh.